This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Text line is there for you, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. You guys can weigh in on whatever you would like throughout the show each and every day. Of course, we've got mean text tomorrow. I think Paul Moyer might be in line for a couple of mean texts tomorrow. <laughs> People were gearing up on his 49ers love. I'll tell you what, I was I was somewhat shocked by that. Uh, taken aback, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then also his love for Brock Purdy all of a sudden. He's transformed. I give him credit, though. He's he's not the guy. We've talked about people when it, in regards to Geno that just dig in their heels and say, I've always thought he was a backup. I've always thought he is mediocre to bad at best, and I don't care what evidence is presented in front of me. I'm going to cling to that opinion. <laughs> so That happens. He could have done that with Purdy. He could have gone through the whole season and said, yeah, but – yeah, but yeah, I think he did that to you last year, right? Like anybody could have made those throws or something like that. Well, there, there was a play where he went through his entire progression and he was looking at, you know, from left to right. And it was like a, they were on the six yard line. And then he just checks it down to, to McCaffrey and McCaffrey scores a touchdown. And I'm like, that's pretty good, man. Look at his vision and everything. It's like, it's a six yard throw. Big deal. <laughs> I could make that throw. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, you're right. He he came around. Yeah, he's, now he's rooting for him. He's openly rooting for him and the 49ers. Well, and I think everybody's starting to kind of get to know Brock Purdy and find out he's a, he's also a pretty good dude. Like, does he look younger every picture we see yes, of him? Yes, he does. I showed you a picture today. Somebody posted on Twitter where he's in his 49er uniform without pads, just the jersey and pants. He's doing like a like a flex, like he's yelling. And somebody said, "This looks like a kid who's put in a in in a." 49ers costume to advertise in a Halloween right. uh, catalog. Like he, and he literally looks like he's 14 years old. He he looks younger every picture we see. Speaking of that, when I was 14 years old and I got my first set of pads and the helmet and everything, I brought it home and uh, my brother was older and so I was like, hey mom, I want to get all my stuff on and you know ha- have you take a picture. And she's like, okay. And then Mike, you do it too. And my brother's like, no, no, this is stupid. I'm not doing it. And finally my mom talked him into it so we have somewhere a picture of me i'll have to get it maybe and we can put it on our our website or whatever but i'm standing there all excited in my full uniform chin strap on and my brother's just like looking down at the ground like this is so stupid <laughs> it's way too cool yeah, for but this i was 14 and i think that that purdy i mean i think he's he probably looks younger than yeah, i did it's at a, age 14 crazy crazy hey we were we were talking about the nflpa sort of fighting for the gambling rights of their constituents there, which i find really odd but uh patrick mahomes made this gesture yeah, i saw this article where he's he's talking to the team and he it basically here's his quote he said this is a business trip i told the guys that if we win it i will bring everyone back to vegas to celebrate so basically, he's trying to tell these guys, do not engage in the nightlife. Don't go out. There's no there's no reason to, to go out there and even tempt fate. You know, somebody may recognize you, try to get you in trouble, try to accuse you. You don't know what's going to happen. Just there's a reason you're staying so far off the strip just to remove you from the trouble just for the week. All we're asking for is a little self-discipline here. Just one week where you could abstain. And I, w- I was sort of torn on this day when I read it. I'm like, you know what? That's a leader. 
That is a leader right there who's who's you know taking ownership. Like guys, here's the message: I will bring you back. It's on me. If we win this thing, you can come back and celebrate. But the fact that he even felt it necessary, it's just like how 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 is this moment lost on anybody in either one of those locker rooms? How is the moment that this you're looking at a situation you may never be in again? You may never get there in a, again. Dan Marino won Super Bowl, yeah. right? That, didn't, didn't win. Yeah, I mean, there. Are, how many brilliant, great players? Barry Sanders never a Super Bowl. You can go up and down the list of the greatest ever that never got there or got there one time. I never went, Bob. You never went. Dave Wyman <laughs> never got there. So, but just the a idea. A lot of place. It, it's just it's it's part of it is frustrating that you have to remind them of how unique this week is and what you know, the prize is, and you may never be in a position to win that prize again. Don't blow it by, I need to go to a bar. I got to go to a strip club. I got to go gamble. I got to, you can do it the day after go down, end up face down, drunk in the gutter. If you want the next day, just don't do it this week. That's all we're asking. Just be disciplined. (laughs) So the fact that it needs to be said is kind of frustrating. I get it. I totally understand it because we talk about all the trouble that's happened in previous Super Bowls, but you would just hope that these guys would just get it, man. I may never be here again, and I'm not going to blow it by going out and do, doing something I could do any other day of the week, but I'm going to do it this week of all weeks. Maybe he already planned like a big party, but didn't want everybody to know because then he would sound cocky, like we know we're going to win and it's yeah. a, we're going to have this celebration, but... I mean, look, these guys are pros. I mean, and not everybody gambles or goes to strip clubs and things like that. And then the other thing is you can typically in your hometown do that. I mean, you can do it anywhere you want. Most places have strip clubs (laughs) and uh, they have, uh, you know, uh, somewhere where you can go gamble. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'd be like, do it Monday. Do it the next day. Just don't do it this week, man. It's uh, it's unnecessary. You don't have to. All of this, all these clubs, all the lights, all the people, the women, whatever it is you're you're, you're going to seek out, it's going to be there on Monday. Yeah, you could do it Monday, <laughs> win or lose. You can. You've got full access to all of it until your heart's content on Monday. So it just, yeah. I I thought a it shows that he's a leader. I just I love that. Uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, you got to love that. Uh, but B, there was the other part going. God, why does he feel it's even necessary to tell him this is a business trip? This we're we're not here for leisure. This is we got business to handle here. Well, some NFL players, not me, uh, are wild animals, and so you know that's. <laughs> I mean, you have to be a little bit crazy and uh, to run down on a kickoff and and things like that. So, you know, maybe maybe there are some guys that that need to hear that, but. I still like my theory that he already paid for a big party because he's anticipating that they're going to win the game. Yeah, he this is way to get out. Yeah, this but, way of dis- disguising yeah, that. Yeah, but I, I, I think you know, I don't even know if he's put up any money or any kind of thing like that. But it's, uh, yeah, t- to me, it's just kind of a gesture from him. And like you said, that's that's being a good leader. But yeah, I can't imagine, man. I, you know, I've I've sat and thought about like how nervous I used to get before games. And just, you know, leading up to the game, like, you know, Wednesday, you're feeling pretty good, install, you know, go out your first practice Thursday. For, you get to like Friday and Saturday and the game's on Sunday and then game day you wake up, my stomach was always twisted in knots. I can't imagine what it would be like for a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, you always hear these coaches saying, hey, guys, this is just another football game. And a lot of times you'll see uh, teams come out that they're just overwhelmed by, you know, and they're not playing up to their potential just because 
of the gravity of and and it gets more every year, right? Bigger every year. The week leading up to it is bigger. There are more yeah. people. The interviews, the demands on your time. You got to you know you sit up there in your individual podiums and you got the world's media coming to you saying stupid things, trying to get a funny reaction so they can put it on their podcast yeah. or their video channel or their TV show, whatever. Yeah, it's 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 unlike any other week in their existence. Yeah, I, I saw today, I was, you know, I turned on NFL Network and they have Usher up there and he's being, you know, interviewed by these little kids and, you know, they're talking, I mean, they're just, there's so much that goes goes into that. That, uh, But, you know, it, what's interesting, you know, you talk about how every year it gets more and more hyped up. If you, if you get a chance to go back, I know the NFL Network ran it last weekend, but they have like a little half-hour recap of every Super Bowl. So it's going to take you you know, more than an entire day to watch all of it. But just yeah. if you go and look at the first two or three, and you know, really I think Super Bowl three is the one that kind of put them on the map because Joe Namath said, the, I guarantee a win. Were they 18, 16, 18-point underdogs? Something crazy. So. Yeah, and... What was that? Was that Johnny Unitas that was playing for the Colts, Colts. or maybe it was Earl Morrill at that point? But um, yeah, so uh, that's when it started to become, you know, kind of a big thing because really, um, Joe Namath was, you know, I remember him wearing the fur coat and he was yeah. he was very Broadway different. Joe. But those first like couple three, you look at what uh, you know the first one I talked about the other day where they have the two guys with jetpacks yeah. flying around the field that's like that the pregame up with people the halftime up with people and the halftime is up with was that a band or what was up with people what is that it was a bunch of uh, I think it was like a Christian group and they sang these like real positive songs and they all dressed <laughs> the same and was it like a huge group of people yeah it was like yeah. 50 people or something mm. like that maybe our texters will will know a little bit more about that I remember one time they came to our high school and I just Oh, really? Me and all my friends going, or it was some version of them, and we were just clowning them, basically. Yeah, how so, would you know? That guy's different. He's not an original member of the 50. Yeah. <laughs> I'd heard their name. I wasn't sure if they were a band or a choir or yeah. whatever, whatever. Yeah, and they is. sang all these songs with positive themes and Nobody things Nobody wants like positivity, just... Dave. Who wants and that? You, and then you go from that to Janet Jackson's uh, thing. Yeah. Where, yeah. So well, uh, that's more my speed, but whatever. Yeah. Where teach his own. <laughs> Do you remember that? I remember, I remember just going, looking at my wife, going, "Did that just happen? Did, did you notice it honestly when it happened?" I, I think I maybe I didn't. Maybe somebody texted me and I ran it back or something. But because I, I, it I was so, so quick, and I told you I was in this in the seats next to Ice Cube and his. That's crew. right. You were there. Nobody around us. Nobody in the second. You didn't hear anybody buzzing. Nobody. Everybody's just watching the show, bobbing their head, whatever. And then the only way we knew in the stadium, at least in that area, was that somebody that one of the ushers came and handed out uh, uh, copies of a statement from whichever network, Fox, CBS, who was airing it, apologizing right. for the wardrobe malfunction. And we're all reading this thing, going, "What happened?" Because it wasn't specific. It just said wardrobe malfunction. We apologize to those offended, wardrobe whatever. Malfunction. And we all just sat there going, what What did we miss? Nobody knew what happened. Nobody. And then it became like the biggest moment in Super Bowl history, the biggest controversy. I remember Chris Rock doing a routine on that. Do you remember that? And he mm -hmm. was like speaking as if he were her. Uh, he was like, close the door, close the door. <laughs> this is a 50-year-old. Uh, yeah. You know, and that's another great example of how you don't get the full like what i was talking about with the uh the officiating in super bowl 40 yeah i mean it was it was a couple that i was there and i was like yeah that didn't look good and 
you, you didn't realize that the entire theme of what everybody was, even Mike Holmgren, when he came back, said, remember they did the thing over at, was it, what was the name of the field at that point? Um, but over at Lumen Field, basically, they, they had was a century link at the time. Century link. Yeah. And so and he got up there and said, hey, I, we knew we had to play the Steelers, but, you know, we didn't know we had to play the referees, too, or yeah. something. I mean, and it was a huge theme that you really didn't pick up on. Same thing with with you at the at. I don't know what it was then. What is it? NRG Stadium in Houston now. Yeah, whatever it is. But yeah, yeah we didn't I mean, know. Nobody knew. Yeah, it was just. But if you go back and look at like the the first couple, it's just not a big deal at all. Um, and you know now you, it's grown into this just amazing. So I, yeah, again, I getting back to having to. I mean, I, I would be so nervous. I'd be afraid I wouldn't be able to sleep yeah. the night before. I mean, it's just such a huge deal, and you realize like everybody is watching. Yeah, I just yeah, it's it's an amazing amazing spectacle with the world watching. So yeah, just the idea of somebody go out there and and screw it up by I got to go to a bar tonight and knock back a bunch of them and see what happens. You know, yeah. it just it's 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 mindless. But uh you know, I saw that this other story. I wasn't even aware of this th- these particular rules. Now, where everybody is aware of the Rooney rule that came into existence around 2003, I think is the year. And that requires teams to interview at least one person of color for head coaching roles, right? Everybody's aware of that. But in here, let me find it in the story. Um, da, 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 here, yeah, November of 2020, team owners approved a proposal to reward franchises who develop diverse talent. Now, when a team loses a minority executive or coach to a promotion with another team, they receive a third round comp- compensatory pick for two years. Uh, if a team loses both a coach and a personnel member, it receives a third rounder for three years. So the reason this is a story is I guess San Francisco has done this better than anybody. Here we go, praising San Francisco again. Yeah, San, San Francisco had seven compensatory picks in the 2023 NFL draft, which is the maximum amount allotted. Three of them were third-round selections granted via the league's minority hiring incentive, Current starting quarterback, Brock Purdy, the last selection of the 2022 draft, joined the 49ers via a compensatory pick. And the same is true for linebacker Dre Greenlaw and uh, Hufanga, their safety. Yeah. All compensatory picks. So they've they've manipulated the system, worked it better than anybody. And apparently there are those out there complaining about it. They're saying some NFL team owners are upset about how much the 49ers have benefited from hiring diverse executives and candidates. This is according to ESPN's Seth Wickersham. So he goes on to talk about that the owners are upset about it. And I'm like, well, you have the same opportunity as they do. Well, I don't think that the people are going to have a, a rosy view of these uh, these GMs and owners that are complaining about it. Yeah. Because it has to do with minority hiring. Right. So all you have to do is do the same thing. Yeah, they're not being afforded something you're not. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, and the other thing, too, I think it's a little bit uh, negative looking at it as they're working a system. Yeah. You know, I think yeah, that, I didn't word that properly. You're right. That's No, no, I'm, I'm just saying, though, that the way they're, they're saying it is is kind of that's the feel you get from the other the other owners and the other yeah. GMs and everything when what really I mean they're doing what I think the NFL views to be the right thing. Yeah, and in the article they he wrote it perfectly it says the reality is that San Francisco is succeeding with a diverse staff but not in a way that other teams couldn't mimic. The team is making good use of the league's incentives which were established to rectify a long-standing systemic issue that has historically allowed racism to bar people from people of color from advancing in NFL leadership roles. So 
the the key there saying you know they've succeeded in developing that diverse staff but not in a way that other teams couldn't mimic so you right. can, how, if you're a team owner you're going oh bleeping san francisco guy look at what they're doing well you have the same opportunity how why would you be mad at them no yeah it's it's ridiculous uh you know and this is the kind of things that kind of pop up that we've been talking about you know during the the super bowl week that there are these controversial things but this isn't much of a controversy i think it's just it speaks to you know and moyer mentioned him too so i guess i i'll be okay mentioning him john lynch i think does a great job he really does um he's a very principled person and, you know, I heard a story about him that when he first got there, they were going to hire a certain coach who had some sketchy past. And he's like, hey, if you want to go ahead with this guy, that's fine, but I won't be part of it. You know, he's very, like I said, principled. And so, yeah, I mean, and he wasn't – I don't like to think that they were doing it just to get the the extra draft choices. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like that they're, they're – they don't really need to defend themselves. No, they I mean, don't. It, and, and you're right. Just, you nailed it. It's a bad look for any owner who's saying now they didn't yeah. attach any owners' names. They just said there are owners that are grumbling about it. So it's better they for them to remain anonymous, I would think. But yeah, just you can inter- do the same thing. Yeah, you're, you can do whatever you'd like there. We we got to get to this one. We didn't get a chance to get to it yesterday. And I just I heard this. I thought, wait, this is somebody's being punked, right? Or this is this is a joke. Diana Rossini had this report a couple of days ago. She says a GM told her the reason Mike Vrabel wasn't hired by any other teams as a head coach was because of his size. Do you know I had a GM at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me Vrabel's physical build, that he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions and that is a factor, which I laughed. I said, stop, that, that's not something that's real. Who cares what someone physically looks like? And he said, I'm just telling you, I've been, I've been in rooms. And, and somebody's physical presence can make a difference. Come on. This is football. You expect <laughs> there's going to be a lot of big people roaming the halls, walking the buildings, ex-players then become coaches or front office people, GMs, executives. How is it? I'm sorry. I know she's not. It's it's she's just repeating what she was told by somebody. I got to believe that person was messing with her and didn't think she would take it seriously. That can't be real. I think so. That can't be real. <laughs> well, not in the NFL. I and mean, most guys that- are. They've been around football their whole lives. Exactly, They're likely to be big. What about Art Shell? Remember when he yes. was uh, he was a head coach? I mean, Andy <laughs> Reid's a big dude. Maybe they don't look at him as t- intimidating because he seems kind of a nice, cuddly guy. But he's a very large human being. Mike Holmgren, very large guy, could be very intimidating. Mike was very intimidating. Yes, yes. I, I just I hear that and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That can't be real. And if there is a GM out there that said, yeah, if he were a you know a few inches shorter and a little smaller. I'd hire him, then that guy should be fired. You yeah. you shouldn't hold your position of authority because uh, you, you're nuts. I mean, I well, was to explain he, that. Couldn't he file some kind of discrimination lawsuit? Yeah, to, yeah. You know, he's being Just large know. people discrimination. Yeah, I don't, I exactly. Don't know what that is. By I mean, the way, Mike Holmgren, one of the sweetest guys. 
Yeah. It, but he was he was very intimidating, and he was a quarterback, I think, when he played in, yeah. in college. And I don't know if he made a pro team or not. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the gig in the NFL. Typically, they're bigger people. So you don't, I, have, you don't have to be big to be intimidating either. Lou Pinella was not a large human being, and he was intimidating. Yeah. I'm sure Bill Belichick intimidates people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I, I, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. That is so that is nuts that anybody I, could possibly feel that way in reality. I like to think that Lefko started this entire story. He he sort Actually, of started the rumor. No, no, it was it was likely leaked by Mike Vrabel to Diana Rossini to kind of take attention from the fact that he didn't get a job. Uh, so I'm sure a GM come told up him. With, I'm sure I'm sure a GM told him that like jokingly. And so Diana Rossini got most of her scoops about the Titans organization from Mike Vrabel when he was there. So they have a good working relationship. So it seems like that's a way to take attention off the fact that, hey, he didn't actually get a head coaching job. Let's make up this theory and get people talking about it. Oh, my God. How big is he? What is he? Is he's he, pretty big. Is he 6'5", six 6'4"? Six what is he? I don't Yeah. He, I, I mean, he, yeah, he's a football player, but he doesn't look inordinately large. Like, he's bigger. Than, it's not like Calais Campbell, who we just mentioned. It's not like he's a giant old uh, lineman. 6'4", 261. All right. That's yeah, well, like guy, you said, but, he was typically always bent over looking at the grass. Yes, so. looking for four leaf clovers. <laughs> He's how, how big could he possibly seem? Yeah, that's just, what a weird story. All right, coming up, Jed Fish has chosen an interesting direction to take the Huskies. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on seven ten. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. The Huskies have been been very active, Dave, and I, I can't help but think they'd be a much bigger story if the Seahawks hadn't gone the same way with a head coaching change. How much how much bigger would the Huskies' conversations be? More prominent would they be if not for the Seahawks' head coaching changes and filling out their staff? Yeah, it would be it'd be huge news. I mean, especially coming off the the national championship deal, and then yeah, then you get uh, a very unpopular coach fleeing for Alabama. So yeah, yeah there's going to be there would be a lot more. And then, you know, some of the uh, the guys that he's brought with him is pretty, Jed Fish, that is, yeah. pretty pretty notable. Yeah, he had his uh, National Signing Day press conference yesterday, and he, he was uh, leaning on UW's ability to be a place to develop NFL talent. And here's what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I think NFL is a lot more important than NIL. And I think when you have an opportunity to sell the NFL, you should do it. The difference of some programs is they want to, you know, sell it. We can tell it. We can tell you what it's actually like. Uh, Steve Belichick and Brennan Carroll have lived, breathed, and were born into the National Football League. There is no question that both of our coordinators forget their 14 years or seven years of coaching experience in it. They have 40 years or 36 years of living in it. He's smart to lean on that, right? That's every, I would assume, every kid that's on that team, and you've been there, is dreaming of playing at the next level and to feel like, yeah. hey, I've got access to it. These guys have been there. They can tell me what it takes to get there. And they, they were just in the national title game. And yeah, I just feel like that's a, that's a strong thing to emphasize if you're fish. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I had Don James and, you know, Paul Wiggin and Terry Donahue from UCLA all sitting in my living room. And if they would have said something about the NFL – I would have looked at them like they had three heads because you just 
you just didn't even think about that. I mean, it was like such a distant, you know, goal that like oh, would, it, would it three heads in a good way? Like no, in a in a yeah, well, no, in a shocked way. Mm. Like oh my god, really? You're talking about the NFL? I'm just out of high school. I mean, I can't believe that they're that they're actually selling that to high school kids now, but. Apparently things have changed because I just remember looking at guys uh, the year they had a Super Bowl at uh, Stanford. I think that was '84. It was Dan Marino's um, only appearance. Only appearance was against up the with 49ers. Too. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's a good question. I wonder what the halftime show was. Moyer, oh Moyer was supposed to tell us a story about that. By the way, of uh, the Super Bowl at, Stan- at Stanford. Oh, I think he was in the league at that point. So, but um, yeah, I remember looking at the 49ers were practicing at st- the Stanford Field, and one of their guards walked past me and kind of gave me a dirty look, you know. And I was like, "Wow, look at that guy! I mean, he's huge." He's a building. And, yeah. So I, I just didn't. That's just, that's interesting now that. Now that it's that's what they're pitching. They're like, hey, this is a, a great program that you know the NFL is very familiar with. Look at all the guys that came out of Washington that are in the NFL, and you know, and these these kids. I don't know. It's just times have changed. But you know, being a 17, 18 year old kid, that that was like light years away. Yeah, that you thought you would get in the NFL. Well, what was his line? Let me hear his line again about NFL is better than NIL or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think NFL is a lot more important than NIL. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe not always. There's some of these kids making millions in NIL that may not make it at the next level. But yeah, I get what he's saying. And then he he also went on to talk about where else can you pick the brains of two of the NFL's greatest coaches ever. I would expect that we uh, will have two of the four members of the Mount Rushmore walking around our building very often. And I think when you can get that done, that's an incredible opportunity for the kids. On on top of that, I've been fortunate to coach in the NFL myself for 14 years. Uh, running back coach played in the NFL uh, for seven years and um, the safeties coach we just hired played in the NFL was a fifth round pick and when you get all those guys here we can tell these kids what it looks like what it feels like what to expect what's real money look like not NIL money but actually the real money the real salaries um, the opportunity to get a second contract and make 10x what you ever 20x 30x what you ever dreamt of making wow he is really leaning on the the future of the X, 20 X, 30 X. Yeah. Wow, I mean, he's, he's got the lingo down. Well, he's appealing to what it feels like kids are focused on. You know, I want to, I want to play at that next level. I want to be a big baller. I want to, you know, he's leaning into it. I mean, you know, I guess at this point with NIL being as prominent as it is, why pretend, Hey, it's all about the college experience and boy, you know, we got a great education program here. And if you'd like to be an engineer, we got a great system here. We got a great program. If you'd like to be an archeologist or what, yeah. whatever goofy major you may have outside of football, <laughs> you know, so it feels like that's kind of the old school way of uh, selling the campus and look at the beautiful campus and the housing and no, this is where you come to get ready for the next level. And we're, we're, we're a trampoline into that versus some other programs where you're going to have to grind a little harder to get noticed. Yeah, and he was talking about his the experience of his staff, that they've all been in the NFL. And, and implying that Belichick and Pete will be walking around the building. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's just times have changed so much just because you know, I remember um, – Matt Millen came to my all-star game up in Reno. Now, it was easy to get either 49er or San Francisco, I'm sorry, or or, uh, Raider players to come up there and do charity things because, you know, they were, uh, I was in Reno and they all, you know, came up and stayed in the the hotels, the big hotels and gambling and all that stuff. But I remember somebody asked Matt Millen, like, about me and he was saying, you know, do you think uh, that 
he could play in the NFL like right now. And he was just like, that's absolutely ridiculous. And I remember being really embarrassed by the guy asking that question mm. because I, I was like, I know I couldn't play in the I'm What, what year guys. were you? That was my senior year oh, okay. at my, my all-star game. So, yeah, it was, just, it was such a distant, you know, goal that you just nobody ever talked about it or thought about it. And now it's the main selling point. I mean, that really, and, you know, I like that, that slogan there that he has. You know, it, this is about NFL, not NIL. And yeah. NIL, really, I mean, if you look at some of the guys are making a million dollars, but that's chump change compared to the NFL. Right. But the only thing is, I mean, how many guys make it to the next level? You don't want to lean on that too hard. But I think what he's selling is is legit because he's saying, look, we're going to give you every opportunity that any other, you know, because you look at Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, Georgia, Clemson. I mean, Ohio State. Yeah. Over the years, those are the ones that have produced players. And I think, you know, trying to get the Huskies on the map that way. Uh, based on you know what's happened here in the last couple of years, I think it's wise. I yeah. think it's wise of him. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm guessing for some maybe it's distasteful or you know why are you pushing that on these kids. I, I can see somebody having a problem with it, but this is where they're at now. This is where you know I think he's he's leaning into what their strength is. They've got a lot of NFL experience on that coaching staff. There, and like you said, it's not about uh, well you're going to get a great education here yeah. and you know, <laughs> yeah, no you can major in anything you want and no it's nothing about that yeah so uh, you know good for them and they're they're trying to compete in the Big Ten and they have to compete with Michigan they've got to compete with Ohio State they've got to compete with a, a you know some of these blue blood programs you know one of which just won the national title so I, I don't blame him I think he's if that's your strength if you can sell that hey. Pete and, and Bill Belichick, two of the greats, are going to be walking the halls around here. You're going to see those guys and their their offspring are on the coaching staff, and they've been around it their whole lives. Then it's not a lie. It's it. You know, I don't know about Pete and Bill being in the building. How often that'll happen? But yeah, a lot of NFL experience on that that coaching roster. Really so. quick, I just looked this up, Bob. Sorry to interrupt, real quick before the break. University of Alabama, 57 NFL players right now. University of Georgia, 49. Ohio State, 48. Um, but you don't see you don't see Washington on there, so they're starting to, you know, Penn State, Florida, hmm. Clemson, but selling that, like I said, it's wise. How many from Wooster High? Does Wooster High School, they don't do high schools, Bob. Ah, unfortunately, okay. but okay. Uh, I'll look that up. <laughs> I think it's just two. Who's the other person? Uh, Glenn Carano. He was a backup quarterback for the Cowboys. Gina Carano's dad. Yeah, she's a former MMA fighter, now an actress. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 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 Very cool. All right. Uh, hey, a reminder, the big news we unveiled earlier this week, the John Schneider Show is returning right here with Wyman and Bob. It'll be on Thursdays beginning February 22nd, and our weekly conversations with the Seahawks GM will run every single Thursday through the first night of the NFL draft, which I believe is the 25th of April. So we'll uh, figure out, we'll nail down the time. We don't have the exact time yet, but it'll be on Thursdays. So stay tuned to us and seattlesports.com for updates. So uh, season two of the John Schneider show will be coming your way starting on the 22nd of this month meanwhile cowboys running backs provided some interesting sound bites from radio row we're going to hear about that when we sweep the dial coming up with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710 scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day sweeping the dial every afternoon at 4 45 with wyman and bob I don't know what it was about uh, Cowboys running backs today. Maybe early in the morning, they weren't awake yet. But e Emmett Smith, this morning on ESPN Radio's morning show, Unsportsmanlike, 
uh, says he was surprised that Mike McCarthy wasn't fired after this season. To be honest, I am a little surprised, uh, all because of the way things ha- has transpired the last few years. Removing Kellen as the OC and taking over the controls of the offense and so forth, uh, I am a little surprised. The way our team acted out of the belt, I'm real surprised because to me, I look to my leaders and leaders look to, to players to be ready and be prepared for the situations in all situations. And uh, unfortunately for us, I don't know if we were as prepared as we needed to be. And the way we exited the playoffs this year was not, it, it was not a good look, put it that way. And, uh, and it was somewhat embarrassing. It lends you to believe that either uh, we're not trained or coached properly in terms of game type of situations. At times, players do have to overcome coaching because coaches don't always make the best decisions. It's not a good look. Mm. Boy, it's interesting, the, the culture there. I mean, we talk about how, like, the East Coast is, and you've, you've been in different markets, right? That is a tough market. Dallas. <laughs> Dallas, I mean. Texas football, period. Yeah. College, I mean, high school. You look at like what Dak Prescott has done there and look at his numbers. I mean, even this year and people are talking about he's not the guy. And yeah, so kind of kind of surprised some family members of teammates saying that. Yeah. Yeah. But and I'm surprised that Emmett Smith would. I don't know if he's how tight he is with that group down there, but saying McCarthy. I mean, what has he been 12 and five the last three years, something like that? And and Dak was part of the MVP conversation for a while. And, you know, you look at his. I, I get it. It's disappointing. They they feel like they should be Super Bowl winners every single year. It seems like and they, anything less is unacceptable. But I, I don't know if that's a bloated sense of the Cowboys that you you retain as a former Cowboy. I don't I don't really know. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if that's you know the way that because uh, they bring their players back all the time and you know you see uh, Michael Irvin down there, Troy Aikman of course, and I don't know how tight Emmett is, but. Saying that, uh, saying it that harshly, that's that's surprising to me. Sweeping the dial. Well, current Cowboys running back, who is a free agent now, Tony Pollard, is on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, and maybe because of that he kind of alluded to the fact that he kind of goes dark, stays off social media, but he didn't know until it was broken to him that Dan Quinn is no longer the Cowboys defensive coordinator. Your guys' defensive coordinator obviously got the head coaching gig in Washington. I think you guys are still going through the process, right, of figuring out who that D.C. might be. When you got when you face that defense, you guys have stars everywhere you look. What do you think? What do you look for them for next year, and who do you think they might bring in? Um, You know, it's crazy. <laughs> See, I hadn't been on social media, like, <laughs> I kind of, I got rid of Ooh. Instagram like midway through the season. How come? How come? Too much people being negative? I mean, being a, a cowboy, you just have to find ways to keep your mental on point. You know. Yeah, keep the noise out. Yeah. Did you just find out you lost your defensive coordinator? I just found out right now. Oh, hey, he's congratulations, the head coach of Newsbreaker. Yeah, he's the Newsbreaker. Dan yeah. Quinn's head coach of Washington. Dan Quinn, head coach. <laughs> you know, I get not being on social media, which is probably smart. If I'm a professional athlete, I'm probably not on there. But a teammate didn't reach out to him. I was going to say, coach, they have his phone number. They didn't talk to any of his teammates. <laughs> well, and especially now, like this could have happened when I played because, you know, if you were at home and the phone rang, that was when you were yeah. talking on the phone. Then you come back and listen to your answering machine if you weren't home and rewind right. the cassette tape. That was a big deal when I was growing up. <laughs> 
yeah, being able to record that. And we used to always screw around, leave each other joke, you know, messages. Yeah. And make the, remember the, you know, the answering message, make it something. Yeah, the greeting. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, look, in, in this situation, I'm now maybe he's one of those guys that once the season ends, he just goes dark and doesn't. Clearly. <laughs> Remember uh, Luke Wilson told us that uh, after they lost Super Bowl 49, he spent like an entire week in his basement drinking champagne and playing video games. Just incommunicado. Yeah. Didn't didn't know what was going on in the outside world. Did you ever come up with a cool greeting for your answering machine? Did you ever yeah, do it? Did I you had ever go a, to Costanza? Uh, there was a uh, Sammy Hagar song where he said, baby or something like that screamed it oh hello hello yeah yeah, i put that on there that was super cool super Super cool cool. i thought you'd do something like costanza believe it or not dave isn't at home (laughs) leave your message at the little song (laughs) sweeping the dial not sure how to transition off of that. That was wonderful. We should think of more <laughs> answering machine messages for Dave Wyman. But uh, it's kind of turned into an, an all-running-back edition of Sweeping the Dial. So Saquon Barkley, also a free agent, also making the rounds on Radio Row. And he was asked on ESPN Radio if he wants to end up uh, in L.A. with Jim Harbaugh. Definitely had some some battles with, with, with Coach over there uh, in Michigan. Um, yeah, I've seen that. Um, you know, my, my main thing is just control where I can control. Uh, I got nothing but respect for, for Coach Harbaugh. I'm a big fan of Justin. Um, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but hey, you know, the NFL is the NFL. It's, it's business. Um, everyone knows my heart is, but uh, if that happens, uh, I, I, I would love it. Interesting to see where he lands. I think he got franchise tag last season. I suppose they could do that again if they wanted to. I don't know what the what the tag number is this year for running backs, but it's going to be really crappy. I can tell you that. That's the thing about uh, for them. I think only tight ends are lower, or maybe maybe they're the lowest. I think no, it's, I think it's only um, special team, like which is basically kickers. Yeah, the running backs <laughs> just get totally screwed. They do. I think I think the tight ends are the next. One, but like interior defensive line, interior offensive line. I Big mean, dough. everybody is higher than than running back. So, which is, you know, remember that was a big deal last year. I mean, or was it two years ago when they released Dalvin Cook after he had yeah. like, uh, 1,200 yards or something like that? They, they've just become so replaceable in the minds. Of, and I, I guess I get it. You know, again, looking at those stats last night, average career length, 3.3 years for running backs. I believe it was 2.9. It was under three years, the average. So if you're running a business and these guys became billionaires for a reason, they're looking at it going, well, why am I going to commit to guaranteed money to this position group, which on average lasts less than three years? Right. We're just going to get another guy in here. And you've also seen success with even the Seahawks finding guys late. Chris yeah. Carson, seventh round pick. We're, we're going to, you know, I can find somebody that can play those three years in the seventh round and not pick them in the first round. Well, and the Niners did that too with Elijah Mitchell. Now mm-hmm. he's kind of disappeared a little bit. But I mean, look, I, I think when we sit here on Monday, we could be talking about Isaiah Pacheco and Christian McCaffrey, like first and foremost of those are the guys that performed the best. Too. So I, I totally feel the frustration of the running backs. I mean, it, it just, as they say, is what it is, but it's it's not right. I don't, I don't know why, but you know what? The market is the market, and that's where the numbers are set. But I, I feel bad for, for running backs in the NFL. Now, 
Do I feel bad because they're only making eight or nine million dollars a year? <laughs> I hope no. they can make it. But it is it is just an injustice for for whatever reason. But again, the market has spoken. Sweeping the dial is powered by Seattle University men's basketball. Coming up, the Mariners were snubbed in a big way by Major League Baseball. We'll tell you what we're talking about next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.